So they're the six eyes, and then we have purpose in the center, which is all about, well, why are we trying to do this in the first place? What right. is it that we want to create? And we have two little triangles that link each of the stages of the six eyes in with purpose. And the inner triangle represents culture or environment, uh, whether it's personal environment or team or organization, and also processes. What processes can we put mm. in place to make us better at being creative, for example, or better implementers or better improvers? So that's the six eyes just in a nutshell. Welcome to the Bombshell Business Podcast, where driven women in business learn how to become more bold, brave, and unwaveringly confident, feel empowered, and challenged through inspiring stories, and tell it like it is advice for business, life, and leadership. Welcome or welcome back to the Bombshell Business Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Hurdle, and today we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics ever innovation. I think that is such a buzzword anymore, but the core of it is something that's been around since the beginning of time. And if you like anything about science or if you like how fashion has progressed or if you like how vehicles have progressed or anything, that is the gift of innovation in action. And it's something that we all have inside of us. Just some of us are more naturally inclined to lean into innovation and others might be a little more intimidated by it. They might be a little more linear thinking and that's okay. But our guest today is going to help iron all of that out for us and talk us through one of my favorite words, innovation. So let's talk about Miss Natalie Turner. Natalie is the co-founder of the Entheo Network, the owners of the Six Eyes brand and inventor of the Six Eyes of Innovation. She is the author of the award-winning book, Yes, You Can Innovate, selected as a business book of the month in the UK and Singapore. Natalie has inspired audiences on the human side of innovation, the mindsets and skills we need to harness diversity, and has spoken on leadership, change, and purpose as some of the top speaking engagements in the world, including 10X Singapore, Singapore Women's Congress, Harvard University's HPAIR, Blink Live with Mediacom, Innovators Bangkok, the International Society of Professional Innovation Management, and numerous corporate and governmental organizations. If those don't let you understand where she fits in the global thought leadership of innovation, that should probably clue you in. Natalie, welcome to the Bombshell Business Podcast. Thank you very much, Amber. It's wonderful to join you today. Well, my first question has to be, what is it like you you've put this whole platform around one word? Why is that one concept so special to you? Wow. I think if I go back through my life um, and I look at the different roles I've had, even go back to childhood, you know, I've always been someone that has been on the edge of change and really enjoy pioneering. Um, and so the roles that I was drawn into um, lent themselves that way as well. So sort of working in strategy, working in concept development, product development, uh, working in research, uh, being an entrepreneur, helping others, you know, consulting into organizations to help them to do new things. So I think it's very much a central red thread of my whole life is that desire to bring into being that which doesn't exist and to help others to do the same. And and to be able to see it before it's even conceptualized is quite a gift. So you wrote this book, and I know that it could take the whole episode to talk about this, but can you just high level take us through the six eyes of innovation? 
Yeah, absolutely. So the six eyes of innovation is like a journey map. Um, if you think of circles within a circle, if you like. So we've got six stages that ideas travel through on a journey. And actually, one stage is not even really where the idea is. It's more of a space. It's a space that exists. So we call it the identify space. And that's really about possibility, new opportunity, where things are changing in our environment. And it gives rise for something new to emerge. And then we have Ignite, which is all around creativity. It's when we have that light bulb moment or we have that idea that sparks in our imagination and we think, yes, you know, this is a great idea, hopefully for an opportunity or or a problem that we're wanting to solve. Um, Then we have the investigate stage and investigate is all about testing, Mm -hmm. uh, prototyping, researching, validating new ideas. Invest, which is all around uh, putting our time, our attention, our money, our resource, whatever it might be, into an idea to make it happen. Implement the hard work of innovation, I call it, because that's not where we have to really... <laughs> <laughs> oh, not the most fun part. Not the most fun part. But without it, we don't innovate, actually. So that's we've right. really got to spend some time there and improve. And improve is about you know looking at stuff that already exists. It might be our starting point. Um, or looking at what we've done and thinking, how can we do it better? So having that constant mindset of improvement. So they're the six sides. And then we have purpose in the center, which is all about, well, why are we trying to do this in the first place? What right. is it that we want to create? And we have two little triangles that link each of the stages of the six eyes in with purpose. And the inner triangle represents culture or environment. Uh, whether it's personal environment or team or organization, and also processes. What processes can we put Mm. in place to make us better at being creative, for example, or better implementers or better improvers? So that's the six eyes just in a nutshell. So from one innovator to another, I have to ask you this question. Do you find that you would rather stay in that the the first three eyes and and really spend your energy there? And then when you get to implementation stage, you're kind of like, well, I'm bored with it now. What else is out there? Yeah, it's interesting you say that because one of the things that I've designed is a profile Um, a profiling instrument that measures what you consider your strengths to be around each of the six eyes. So yeah, I come up an identifier and an igniter. Surprise there. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, identifiers, that's the easy part, at least for people like us. And then the ignite. And I would even say I really enjoy the investigate phase because I like, I say I like to build and break things. And where some people get really bent out of shape if something doesn't work out, to me, I'm like, oh, that's data. Okay, so that didn't work. Okay, let's try it this way now. Like, it's it's just part of the whole process. And even the invest, that's when like, ooh, it's getting real. It's getting real yeah. now. We're putting some money behind this. We're going to put some people on it. Like, what's what's going to happen next? And then the implementation, the actual get it done part, I'm like, who am I handing, the, who am I handing it off to? Who's going to take it into the end zone? Because I don't run that far. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a team sport. And I think that that's the important message of the book as well, is that right. we all have strengths and it's best to play to them rather than trying to be good at everything and make sure that we, we're in service of the idea. So we're also mm-hmm. thinking, well, okay, I might not be good at this, but hey, are you? Can we work together? Can we collaborate? Can we make it work? Um, and that's a very cool thing. I think that I think a lot of the time we try, we spend hours and hours trying to get better at the things we're not that good at, where we could be spending more time 
honing what we've already got strengths in right. to get even better at that. We use a, I have a term um, that is just really popular when I go into different organizations or audiences when I speak and, and I just tell people, I'm like, you know, fine China is not meant to be shipped across the country. That's not the purpose. The purpose of fine China is to be beautiful. It's super valuable. It usually has sentimental value to it. It's, it's wonderful. There's nothing broken or wrong with it, but it's meant to sit on a table to hold food. So if you take it out of that and you make it do something it's not designed to do, then you have to bubble wrap it. And I think we all need bubble wrap. And so if we can identify where in your six phases here that we're stronger, then we can start pulling in people or processes to bubble wrap the fact that Amber doesn't love the implementation side of things. You know, it's like, where's my bubble wrap? Okay, I'm going to build a team to make sure this happens. So, um, but on that note, I think, you know, you, you said the core of the book is about like building healthy organizations with amazing environments. So how do you, let's just say in like legacy companies, maybe it's not that startup environment. There, there is no M&A activity going on. Like it's a long, like maybe a, a long-term bank brand or something. How can you create more innovation so that you get a culture where people are having fun in that innovative space, but they're also wanting results. They're getting things done. Yeah, I think it's a really good point, particularly with larger organizations. It, you know, even if I look at the profiling of a lot of larger companies, they tend to be higher on the invest, implement and improve mm-hmm. aspects of innovating, which is great because it's about operations as well. It's about getting things out into the market. Sure. It's about results. And uh, often that is done in that those phases. But sometimes those earlier phases of the innovation journey can sort of get bit squashed, <laughs> a bit squashed out. I mean, there are lots of different types of ways of of cultivating it. I think to start off with, obviously, to think about, well, what is the organization trying to do and for whom? You know, what are your, who are their customers? How, how are they changing? So actually really helping them to identify their opportunities, their landscape, their, what's, you know, what's changing in, in their market. Um, and what trends and patterns there are and, and helping to identify those who are the identifiers. You know, I think back to one of my jobs a number of years ago and I was hired initially to be a data analyst, would you believe? And oh, that, was no. not, <laughs> that was not my skill set. But luckily I had a boss who said to me, you know, I think you're in the wrong job, Natalie. I think, you know, I'm going to create a new role for you and you're going to be a strategic analyst. Now, I didn't know at that time that I had skill sets and propensity around being able to look at, you know, the emerging world and what's happening. But thank God he so he knows that. Really. Yeah, he was a great, was a great manager and changed my job. And so I became a scout, and uh, and and they actually created a job for me to go around and look at new technologies, how they were changing markets around telecommunications, mobility, all of that field. And I had a whale of a time. But the problem was then taking that information back into the organization and sort of trying to sell that back in to say, hey, you know, we're doing this, but the world's over here now and, and we've got to bridge that gap. So I think organizations, if they're going to create roles um, to support certain types of functions like strategic um, foresight, if you like, uh, then they need to be able to support it. You know, yeah. back internally and really integrate it into processes and the culture, which, you know, we were talking about earlier, because otherwise you get this massive disconnect, you know, between 
some people then, you know, charging off into the future and other people, you know, really not supporting it in, in the organization. Yeah, it, and it is. It's like whether it's a super innovative startup environment and then somebody is brought in because it's like you have all these creators of change, but now you need to start having some implementers of change or else it won't be sustainable. And that environment almost chokes out that new person who's looking for repetitive, you know, sequences and things to put patterns behind and processes and get all of these crazy innovators over here to follow some rules maybe. And, and that's an uncomfortable place for those type of people when the majority, but then you can flip that. And when you have a very like, nope, that's how we've always done it. Well, we've tried that before and it didn't work. It's like, okay, well, that you tried that 17 years ago and things have changed. Mm-hmm. Like Absolutely. that balance is so critical. And and so who who drives that? Who mm-hmm. is that something that I as a middle manager can do? Do I have to look to a senior leader? Yeah, I think that's another interest. I want to just pick up on one point before I answer sure. that question. Is it's I think one useful way of, of framing it and phrasing it for people is to say we all innovate. Yeah, mm-hmm. we all innovate in different ways. So the implementers are innovators just as much as the igniters are innovators because they if without implementation there's no innovation. And I think it's really really important for the people that are really good at getting things done and driving stuff into the world to see themselves as innovators and not always think that the innovative ones are the creative people that come up with the ideas because so many ideas never happen because implementation hasn't happened and I think you know even having that discussion in an organization is really really important and for all the different people that are involved and it also sort of helps to diffuse some of these tensions that exist between departments and functions and types of personalities and everything else to say, hey, what are we trying to do and why are we trying to do it? Who do we need? You know, who do we need to execute on this, to build this? And then people can start to sort of play together more as a team around those, you know, whatever it is that they might produce. Uh, So that was, you know, that's one thing I think that's really, really important. And I find the more I work in this space, when when people stop, get hold of that and they go, wow, I'm an implementer. I didn't realize I'm an innovator or I'm an improver. I didn't realize I'm an innovator. And you go, yeah, you're an innovator. Without you, we're not going to get much done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Don't count so, on us, folks. Really That's not going to end well. <laughs> but I think going to your other question about who then, who does this? Well, the ideal scenario is whoever's running the shit, you know, is really behind it. And, and steering it and thinking about you know, how do we build an organization that is, um, is working towards being able to innovate across the day-to-day, the things that are emerging, and, and not even the future things, because as we know now, it's not about the future. It's the future now, isn't it? I mean, the things now. that are happening so fast, they're mm-hmm. affecting the day-to-day. So it's even the sort of oh, well, we're just going to work on today, day-to-day activities. And when we've got a bit of time, we'll think about this other stuff that's emerging. Well, you can't do that anymore. You know, you really have to be wearing the hats of, of change and, and day-to-day operations at the same time and, and really moving that and, and working dynamically with that space. So obviously, the overall leadership of an organization is central to enabling that. But so are the middle management. I mean, a lot of stuff can get stuck in the middle management roles um, where, you know, sometimes you've got at the top of the organization and the bottom of the organization really going for it in the middle, maybe a bit out of sync. 
So empowering and enabling team leaders and team managers to really be able to to enable their own teams to be more innovative, whatever that means for them as well in their context, I think is really important. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Most before I, well, I've gone out on my own a handful of times, but I mean, I've owned a celebrity event planning company. I've owned an event venue. I've owned a medical transcription company. I mean, I could go on. I've owned agencies. I have my speaking consulting. So like I, that's definitely, I like to create things. And, and what I learned is I had to create a brand that I could innovate within that brand and not have to start a whole new company. Although, oops, Mm -hmm. I end up doing that too. I've also owned real estate and just, I used to sell double wide trailers. Like I've done it all. And what I've learned is that as an innovator, you have to, instead of look, okay, let me just back up. If I'm about to jump off a cliff because it looks fun and it looks like a grand idea, I cannot get mad at the person who runs after me and goes, wait a second, did you do a 10 point check on your parachute before you jump? Because what they're trying to do is save not only me, but my idea. And they're not being a killjoy. They're not trying to squash my idea or my innovation. They're just trying to make sure that I've thought through all of those things. So to me, I've always tried, not always, let me reframe that. Once I learned better, I did better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I learned these people need to be on my team. They need to slow me down. They need to ask all the questions of like, okay, well, how's this going to work? Or will it break that? If we do this, will it break this other thing that's important to you? Um, and so once we get into organizations, um, you know, that that middle management, I would say, is is more important than than anyone. I mean, I know it has to be driven from driven from the top. But if if the top is telling middle management and the middle management is the ones implementing on the front line, then the front line gives the feedback and then the leader has to give the feedback to upper management. That's like two parts of the communication oh. in that space. Sorry, I'm just. All over the place. So as you're saying things, I've got like popcorn going. Yeah, off yeah. Mind, I think so. it is like that. Yeah, it is like that. And I think that's that is the big challenge is that all the communication aspects around this and what people are measured on, particularly in larger organisations, yeah. because a lot of the middle management are measured on very much, you know, the day, you know, what's happening now, mm-hmm. next week, or in the quarter. And, you know, even at strategically, there might be longer term, not even longer term these days, because obviously everything's so fast. But, you know, there's that sense of maybe a little bit more sight ahead of what's of how the organization might need to be structured to deliver on changes that are happening in the environment. But everyone else is like sort of trying to keep up, aren't they? They're just trying to keep up and get, get work done and, and produce and be more productive in, in what they're doing. So if I am a leader and I'm trying to tap into that innovation, what is it that I can do to help nurture ideas and help make sure that people understand that like, no, we might not always implement your idea, but we want to hear it because it's going to positively impact our work. But the ways that I've seen it work the best in organizations um, is when it's actually structured into your role, you know, so it's not just the innovation department yeah. or the R&D <laughs> or the, you know, the new product development people that they're, they're doing innovation and everybody else is just doing work. You know, I think that's a huge thing too, this disconnect between what does it mean to be innovative? So actually starting to have that discussion in, in teams to say, okay, what are we trying to go do here? You know, and why are we trying to do it? And, and what's your role within that? And then saying, okay, so how do we stimulate that? 
And, you know, you could take people through the six eyes in a sense. You know, start with purpose, which is why. Then go to identify and say, okay, what are our opportunities right now? Could be this week. It could be over the next few weeks, a quarter or a year, whatever you might be. What are our big opportunities, both internally in the organization, in the structure, in the team, and out there with, with whoever your customer is? And that might well be internal customers just as much as a market. Mm. Um, and really getting people to think about who are we serving and why and what are we trying to do? What are we actually trying to, to, to create? Um, and then have a way to sort of systematically start to think about how you manage the idea flow in your team. So, not, you know, you've got to have the cultural environment that stimulates it. But at the same time, you need a way, a process to manage it. Otherwise, you just end up with far too many ideas that aren't thought through. And if you've got an igniting leader, they're going to constantly be igniting because that's what they do. You know? And other people are like charging off trying to do stuff. And then they're like, well, where, do we, where are we going? What are we doing? So to get, I think to give people, that's one reason I invented the six eyes, is to give people a map, a framework. You know, it doesn't have to be prescriptive. It doesn't have to be absolutely structured, but it's a dynamic map. You know, how many ideas have we got in Ignite? How many are in the investigate stage? How many are we investing in? You know, are we going back to investigate? How are we investigating? You know, what about improvement? So you start to have the language around innovation as being broader than just the creative aspect, but also thinking about how you're managing your ideas. But Natalie, that alone, I mean, I'm a career communicator so much. And, you know, even with Employer Brand Central, employer branding, employee experience, culture agency that, that we have, you know, language is so important that we're all using common terms, whether it's your values or your service basics, or it could be your leadership language. Um, you know, this, I, I, I can't imagine a single company on the planet that can sidestep innovation right now. Cannot. So this is such a brilliant way to introduce a process, a language that everyone can use, that everyone understands what they're saying, that we all know what bucket we're in at the time to help move things forward or, you know, to rein people like me in <laughs> to, to be like, we've got a lot in this phase, but not a whole lot going on over here. Why are we stalling? So and it's and it's like less of an attack of like what's wrong with me. And it's more about where are we collectively yeah. in this process and what about the process needs to be moved forward or stalled i just where did you like at what point did you say like i'm going to put together just a, a system or did it emerge as you have been consulting and it just became what it is well the the sort of the the story is um i was working in a large research firm um back in london in 2004 time early 2000s and i was responsible for a lot of new product development. So I was like a design thinking facilitator. So I was working with big brands like Diageo, Coke, uh, Procter & Gamble, etc. those types of companies on new product development, you know, helping to facilitate where the, what, what these new ideas could be. And really, I started to see that actually, we never failed to come up with great ideas. You know, we always came up with great ideas with the client, with creative consumers and everything. But a lot of the time, those ideas went back into the organizations and some of them would come out and a lot of them would get lost uh, you know, in the process. 
And that really is what got me thinking about innovation as a journey, uh, not just the stage gate approaches, which are very, very useful, particularly in fast moving consumer goods industries. And, you know, when you're really driving through product and packaging innovation and all that type of thing, but just generally for for work and for people who aren't in necessarily new product development roles, the service industries, you know, experience, you know, customer service. What about HR and finance departments and other other functions? So I thought there was a big gap somewhere. I thought, well, what about the people in this process? And that really got me thinking about, uh, you know, what what models exist to help people in their jobs think about innovation in a fresh way and being innovative in a fresh way. And that really was the the sort of the my light bulb moment, I suppose, when I started to design. And then obviously I did a lot of research over the years and collected thousands and thousands of questionnaires, primary research, secondary research. And out of that, I developed the six eyes of innovation, first as a model and a map, and then as a profiling system to help organizations and individuals know what their strengths were. That's amazing. I just, I mean, even that, the innovation of the innovation process is fascinating to me. <laughs> so um, before we get into where they can find your book and find you online and watch your TED talk and all that kind of stuff, um, I always like to ask each guest one question and it's, it's really about th- the biggest thing to you. Like if you can only offer one parting piece of advice to a bombshell, a bold, brave, unwaveringly confident woman in business. And I always like to put a caveat. It's not that we don't fall down is that we just get back up. So if you're looking at that woman who is just getting it done in her career, what is that one piece of advice you'd give her? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I would say go back to your own inner purpose, what you really feel. It doesn't have to be a big grand thing of, you know, what's my life all about? It might be that, but it's more about what am I doing and why am I doing it right now? And and do I have a strong sense of alignment to where I am in my life right now with what I am doing? And if you don't, then to start to sort of listen to what's calling you forth to wherever it might be next and to start to put into place a plan to move yourself from where you are. I think it's, you know, sometimes, particularly if you're an entrepreneur, you can get stuck in certain things mm-hmm. or even in large, you know, large organizations and feel, you know, you, you can lose sight of that, that sort of that inner sense, that inner drive, that inner, vote, inner motivation. And I, so I think it's an important thing to listen to, to go back to, to yeah. find it. I, I love that. And I agree. And when I think about, I was, my listeners all know this, but um, I had my first child when I was 16 and she's now married and she's pregnant with my first grandchild. And that really, I mean, you had to think of how, because I was young and broke and I made a promise to my daughter that she would be, um, she would have all the same opportunity that a, a young woman who would graduate high school um, would have if she was not born to a teen mom. Like that was just what I put in my mind. And um, and that's what I work towards. And it's, it's interesting because it hits different when it's like, Oh, I just want to try this idea and see. And it's more about like, 
I have to figure out how to get my life on track or this child is going to not have the life that she deserves. And so that why, whether it is a big why like that or smaller whys day to day of, um, well, there's just this really big problem and here's, I know I have the solution and I've beta tested it and I know it's going to work. So this needs to go out at scale. Like that's a good enough why too, beyond good enough. Um, so I appreciate that very much. Um, Okay, well, let's talk about like, I know that we can find you at, don't think I pronounced it right. There was an emphasis, Entheo. Entheo, yeah. Entheo.com. A bit like you, that's like an umbrella brand for lots of different things I do. So women who lead, I'm coaching business that I run for women in leadership. Um, The six eyes, obviously, what we've been talking about. Yes, you can innovate book. Uh, actually, my husband's DJing. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, music, soul, everything, all of that. It's all underneath uh, the NPO network. Okay. And then if we go to natalie-turner.net, then that's more of like your speaking and things yes, like that. That's right. Okay. And then, um, of course, you can get Yes, You Can Innovate, which I highly recommend because you just heard that she encapsulated a whole process that you can then use in your organization, whether you're the leader or a middle manager, like this is a great, as as somebody who's had to create a lot of change in organizations and still does to this day, I'm telling you, this is gold. Um, so that can be found wherever books are sold, Amazon, your website, et cetera. Yeah. Okay. And then um, where can we find you on social media? Are we on uh, LinkedIn? LinkedIn? LinkedIn's my preferred platform, really. So yeah, Natalie Turner one, I think is on it, uh, LinkedIn. Okay. And then Facebook, Natalie Turner, author, speaker. And then you also have a YouTube channel and we'll put all of those yeah. in the show notes. But bombshell, you know, I say this all the time. We do business on LinkedIn and we're business women. That's what a bombshell is. So let's try to spend less time on TikTok dances and cats on Facebook and more time developing our network, nurturing our minds, feeding our souls through LinkedIn. Connect with smart people like Natalie and what you scroll through first thing in the morning is going to be a vastly different experience than whatever craziness you're watching. <laughs> I'm not saying you shouldn't at all. I'm just saying like, where should we spend the most of our time? Maybe LinkedIn. So Natalie, thank you so much for sharing your beautiful spirit and your ideas and your innovation with our, our Bombshell listeners. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you very much for inviting me. For sure. Bombshell, you know what to do. This episode is most certainly share worthy. We all know somebody who is stuck in an organization that is in innovation constipation mode and you can rescue them with this episode. So I I just ask you that if you know somebody who needs to be inspired because they're super innovative and maybe they're squashed and their ideas are squashed sometimes or maybe somebody goes, oh, I'm not very creative. It doesn't matter who you are. They need this episode. So share it. Uh, make sure that you follow Natalie again, especially on LinkedIn. Bye her book. That's how we can support each other as bombshells. And while we're talking about that, you just leaving a a rating, a review, liking this on YouTube, sharing the episode, whatever that is, we don't have that Facebook group. We're not trying to kibitz all day long. We're too busy doing our things as bombshells. But what you can do is spread the bombshell message and help more women become bold, brave, and unwaveringly confident through simply connecting them to other bombshells like Natalie, where they can learn and grow and, and become the best version of themselves. So with that, I will see you on the next episode. 
Thanks for listening to the Bombshell Business Podcast. Visit AmberHurdle.com for more resources like show notes and check out the bombshellbusinesswoman.com to grab my book and download the free bonuses.